I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 63 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about economics. Well, when you heard I was going to be talking about economics on today's show, a lot of you probably went, oh, no, boring. So actually, I have to give you credit because you saw the title and you clicked play. So uh, that's a good step. But I just some things that I've seen over the past couple of weeks. I really felt like it was important to talk about some basic economic principles. Now, I'm no economics. I'm better versed in history, particularly constitutional history, but I've read a lot of economics, and I think it's important to understand basic economic principles. And Murray Rothbard had a quote, and I really like this quote, and and I, I post it on Facebook a lot. He said, it's no crime to be ignorant of economics, which is, after all, a specialized discipline and one that most people consider to be a dismal science. But it is totally irresponsible to have a loud and vociferous opinion on economic subjects while remaining in this state of ignorance. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the condition of, well, actually most of America. I mean, people are talking about these these economic things all the time, and they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And here's the thing. If you don't understand basic economic principles, you're going to support all kinds of horribly damaging political policies because, well, they seem nice or they seem like the right thing to do or you're going to help people. The thing is, economic laws are like gravity. You can't wish them away with good intentions. You know, I, I may want to fly. I may have every intention of flying. But if I jump off the bridge, I'm going to hit the ground. And when you violate certain economic principles, when you start messing with supply and demand, if you don't, if you don't understand it, you're going to end up falling flat on your face. And that's what we see in, in so many political debates today, these, these horrible economic assumptions that are just wrong, and they're leading to bad policy. So I saw a perfect example of this last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, when news started breaking about the uh, gas pipeline that broke in the southeast. 
And uh, so they're dealing with gasoline shortages and whatnot, uh, primarily in a, in a regional area. And all of a sudden, I saw all of these people posting on Facebook, and they were angry because the price of gas is going up. And it's like, oh, they're gouging us, and this is horrible. And, and of course, all of the conspiracy theories, you know, about how they're just trying to make money. And here's here's a question. My wife asked this sometimes. You know, why is it that every time that gas goes up? It's this conspiracy, you know, they're out to screw you, whoever they are. But when gas prices go down, which they have significantly over the last couple of years, there's no conspiracy there. I mean, if these people actually had that much control, don't you think they would, like, keep the price up? It would never go down, right? So the conspiracies are kind of misplaced in the first place. But this this whole price gouging thing is a perfect example of something that sounds good that actually has really negative economic benefits. I mean, nobody wants to be gouged and it's easy to paint, you know, the gasoline companies or the oil companies or whoever as these greedy people that are just taking advantage of, of, uh, you know, individuals or a certain situation. But here's the thing. Prices serve a purpose in an economic system. And it's really simple if you think about it. I mean, the price goes up in order to push demand down. And that's what needs to happen when there is a shortage. If there's a shortage of something, the price goes up and it keeps people from buying too much of it. If the price stays low, people will hoard it. We, we talk about this all the time with like bottled water in a hurricane. Now, if you leave the price at 99 cents a bottle and you know that there's going to be a hurricane and everybody's going to need bottled water and you force that price to stay low, people are going to buy more than they need. People are going to buy it and hoard it in storage. If you bring the price up, it helps protect the supply so there's a little bit for everybody. But people don't understand this, so they want to yell about price gouging and and throw a fit and, and even pass horrible laws that end up forcing prices to stay low and and ruining supply. And this is exactly what happened in Tennessee. Surprise, surprise, there's been gasoline shortages. I saw several photos of gas stations that had no gas available because they force the price to be low and people just keep buying as if there's no problem. So this is just one example of how economics is important to understand because understanding economic principles will keep you from straying into bad policy. Now, here's a basic principle that you always need to keep in mind uh, when thinking about any economic issue. Resources are scarce. Simple fact of life. There's not enough stuff for everybody. That's why we have to have economics in the first place. I mean, if everybody could get everything they wanted, it wouldn't matter. But resources are scarce. So we have to figure out a way to allocate scarce resources. We have to figure out a way so that these resources that are in short supply are used to the best advantage of everybody. Now, there's really only two ways to allocate scarce resources. We can allocate them through markets guided by prices and profits, or we can let them be allocated through political means guided by, well, the whims of politicians. Now, I'll be the first person to admit markets aren't perfect. They don't always function flawlessly. They create problems. There's, there's no arguing that markets, free markets, have issues. They're not perfect. But let me ask you a question. Do you really think that Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or Mitt Romney or, you know, insert politician's name here, do you really think these people have the 
the understanding of the world to properly allocate resources? I mean, really, that's absurd. These people are idiots. They don't know how to allocate resources. They're going to do it based on cronyism, based on how it benefits them politically, not based on the good of everybody. So markets are superior to political allocation. Now, when it comes to politics, one of the biggest problems is the politicians always focus on what can be seen. And Bastiat, a famous French economist, uh, one of my favorites, and I'm going to link to some of his material that it's definitely a must read. Uh, he recognized this problem of, of the seen and the unseen. And this is what he wrote. In the economic sphere, an act, a habit, an institution, a law produces not only one effect, but a series of effects. Of these effects, the first alone is immediate. It appears simultaneously with the cause. It is seen. The other effects emerge only subsequently. They are not seen. We are fortunate if we foresee them. There is only one difference between a bad economist and a good one. The bad economist confines himself to the visible effect. The good economist takes into account both the effect that can be seen and those effects which must be foreseen. Most politicians are bad economists. Of course, they're going to focus on the scene because they can take credit for it and, and get votes. Whoopie-doo. But the unseen, those are the, the harms that are done that people don't even recognize. Take the minimum wage, for instance. Everybody's all up in arms about the $15 an hour minimum wage. And of course, some people will benefit. Those people that get to keep their jobs, $15 an hour would certainly benefit. But there's a negative side. Walter Williams has actually traced this. Uh, he's done really good work on this, especially in how it's dealt um, how it's harmed minorities. This is what he wrote. He said, what best explains the loss of teenage employment opportunities, particularly those of black teenagers, are increases in minimum wage laws. There's a little, there is little dispute within the economic profession that higher minimum wages discriminate against the employment of the least skilled workers. And that demographic is disproportionately represented by black teenagers. So yay, minimum wage is going to help some people. But then you've got these poor black teenagers over here that have no opportunity to, to get the skills that they need because they are priced out of the market by the minimum wage. A minimum wage is basically saying that you may not work for less than $15 an hour. So if somebody wants to work for $10 an hour or $5 an hour to get some experience, can't do it because the law stands in the way. These are the unseen effects that we always have to consider. Finally, I want to highlight very quickly what economist F.A. Hayek called the knowledge problem. Basically, no single human being or group of human beings possesses the knowledge necessary to run an economy. They can't foresee all of the consequences of a given action. Knowledge is dispersed through millions of people. That's why markets work. Prices and profits coordinate all of those millions of decisions and brings all of that knowledge together. This is why centralization is always doomed to fail. Economic ignorance is leading us down a very dangerous path. We need to learn to understand economic principles. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor, spread the word. And if you haven't done it already, head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. It is at the low bargain price of free. You can send any thoughts to me at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. 
Again, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.